This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom Aleichem, everyone. Thank you for coming. A couple of announcements tonight before we start. So, we finished a book, Safer, a book, Safer, The Lesson of the Day on Kibbutz of Aim. We finished it in August. And we wanted to put it out before school so the schools can have Kibbutz of Aim is very important. And we figured that you, you want a, a longer life, you want a, another year. So it was like, perfect, we're going to put it out, we're going to get it out there, and it's, very, it's a very important, very important book. But the, problem, the thing was, it's also a little bit of a fundraiser that we sell, we sell the pages um, in the book. Eli Nishmas, birthday, Stamazoi, you don't have to have anything um, to help support the, the Hakarasa Tov Initiative and, and Arnava. And, um, we couldn't, we didn't, so, so there, there's 12 months and there's 360 days. So 360 dedications and plus, plus the 12 months. And we figured like we'll, we'll get it finished up real fast. People will dedicate. It's a big thing. Uh, I, I think it's a safer, thank you very much. It's going to be used a lot, and it's going to change the world because because Kibbutz Aim is taking a beating, and um, we didn't we didn't sell out. We didn't sell the 360 spots. Um, so it came Rosh Hashanah. Archwell called us. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? We're like we have another 150, another 180 pages to sell, whatever it was. So he said, "Okay, Hanukkah present. The best Hanukkah present. You'll buy your parents a book on Kibbutz Aim." And parents will buy their kids a book on Kibbutz Aim. But, no, we didn't sell out. So at this point, the book is still not out, and um, and we're in January, and all we have left is 65 dedications, 65 pages, and nine months. Nine months and 65. So whoever's watching, um, it would be amazing if you could dedicate a page to... It doesn't have to be on a yard set. It could be just for Kibbutz Aim because the longer we don't get this book out, by now and now the, the schools don't have it, and and it's it's a game changer. So we're asking the public to help us. Um, if you have a pen, the, there's two numbers you could call. There's the Hakaras Hatov hotline number, which is nine one seven four 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 seven five five five. I would really love to just. This week, get 65 people to call and get the book out. It's ready to go. It's, it's written. It's ready. It's ready to go to art school. It's ready to be printed. Um, 917-444-7555 is one number you can you can call to dedicate. Um, you can call any time. We'll get the message. We'll call you back. Or the Ornava number, which is 718-O-H-R-N-A-A-V. Again, 718-O-H-R-N-A-A-V, and um, you get a free safer with it, and it's a, it's a big thing. I, I really got to get this safer out. So whoever now helps us, you're not only giving a donation to help and Lili Nishma, whatever it is, but you're helping us get the book out, because we really need to get this book out. So it's a very, very, very important book. Again, 917 444 Seven five 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 or one seven one eight O H R N A A V. Okay, so that's the uh, safe and of aim a lesson a day.
Also, Emirza Hashem, we're very excited. Anyone who's ever been at an Ornava Shabbaton knows that there is no Shabbaton, not because I have anything to do with Ornava, but there's just no other Shabbaton that is 26 hours non-stop and, and, and has, we have seven breakout shiurim four times. So that's 28 shiurim plus all the non-breakout shiurims. We have probably about 40 shiurim in one Shabbos. No one has that. Not 40. 40 shiurim in one Shabbos. It's amazing. We're going a new place. We're going up to the Falls View which is in the Catskills. Maybe you want to come Thursday night, go skiing. Right there, they're making snow, whatever it is. You could, we could talk about that. Um, and um, we're, we're very excited about it. We, have, of course, have our amazing Mutzah Shabbos concert. There's girls coming from Canada. There's girls coming from Baltimore. There's even girls coming from London. Um, the girls from Israel, I said, stay in seminary. You don't have to come to the Shabbaton. Um, don't fly all the way back and forth. So, but don't wait till the last minute. Last year, we had 895 girls. But this year, we don't have such a big hotel. So if you're going to call me the last week, and I'm going to say there's no room, there's really no room. We have much less rooms. So you've got to do this early. It's not a Jewish girl's normal to call three weeks in advance. It's usually three hours in advance. But... In this case, I really, I want, you know, the people want to come. You, you, you got, you got to do this early. It's not because I'm trying to do a sales pitch. I don't have that many rooms. Staff gets rooms first. Staff has a bunch of rooms. There's not that many rooms left to sell. So if you want to come with your friend, um, call Ornava, 178-718-OHR. It's very simple. N-A-A-V. And, um, they'll, they'll take care of it. All right. That's two commercials, three commercials, third commercial, and then we'll all go home. Third commercial is um, for girls that are looking to go to seminary. So in this room right here, there's a classroom over there. We built a classroom, but there are two seminaries. There's Ateras Nava and there's Benos Bina. They're very different. Benos Bina is for Beit girls, and Ateras Nava is for girls. Um who want to grow and want to learn because you're not in school anymore. You don't have to, you don't have to come here. Um, Jackie Bitone, uh, Rabbi Ruben Epstein, Rabbi Grossberg, who was just here, uh, myself, um, Rabbi, Rabbi Ruben Abraganwolf, Rabbi Ginsburg, like all the superstars, except for me, but all the, really, all the superstars, um, a lot of hashkafa, a lot of, questions that that even in the basakov side of it that you want to know the answers to um it's it's it, it opens your brain it's a lot we care about you it's it's very caring it's not that textual um and um if you're not going to air to Israel, it's really a great place to come so if you're interested i don't really know their number i can't even give you their number but you can go online, if you have online, and go to Benos Bina or, or, uh, or a Teres Nava. Oh, you know what? I do have a Teres Nava's number. Hold on. A Teres Nava, and then you can, they can, they can, they'll give you Benos Bina's number. A Teres Nava's number is 
347-462-2445. It's for first-year seminary, second-year seminary, or even third-year seminary. All right. What a Pasha this week. Pasha Shmos. So, the Torah is shifting huge. Avram, Avram Avinu, Adam, Noah, Avram Avinu, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Sarifka, Rachel, Balea, um, Yosef Atzadik, the brothers. That's voracious. Now, we're in Mitzrayim. Pasha Shmos, we're in Mitzrayim. And all the way from Shmos till the end of the Torah is uh, from Mitzrayim to Harsinai to Eretz Yisrael. Well, it's a, a, a total change in, in what's happening in the Torah. So, the Elish Mos Yisrael So we all know the famous names that they didn't change their names. Um, they didn't change their name. They didn't change their. They didn't change their dress. They didn't change their language. Um, I I once taught kids that weren't religious and Crown Heights Yeshiva Mill Basin. Ruth, you like this? So I'm teaching these kids who are who don't know who never learned before. They don't know. They never learned anything before. They're 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 from non-religious homes. It's a Kirov school, so. I was teaching Pasha Shmos to the kids, and I'm like, so the, the the Jews never changed their clothing. So a kid says to me, no wonder the Mitzrim threw them out. That, that, you didn't get that. Okay. Anyway, um, but that's that's a true story. So they didn't change their clothing for 210 years. Yeah, you throw them out too. But anyway, they didn't change their they didn't change their styles. You know, I, growing up, I never realized how important that was because we 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 as kids we didn't we didn't dress like the guy and we weren't into that whole my generation wasn't into like like you, you never the first thing a girl does when she goes off the derech is the first thing she does she doesn't eat treif she's not machal shabbos what's the first thing she does she puts on pants first thing puts on pants even girls that are not off the derech yet, but nah, they wear the skirts at home, then they, they, they put the pants in a bag, and they go wherever they're going in the city, and they change their hair. You have to go and change it to pants. Guys who go off the derech, they don't put on dresses. But girls who go off the derech, they, they put on pants. Why? Why is that the first thing? Why is that the first thing? Because it's a non-Jewish thing. In, in, the the guys don't wear skirts unless there's a, there's a uniform of some kind. They wear pants. So like, so like when, when I learned it, so the Jews didn't have didn't wear the clothing like the Mitzrayim. Okay, so big deal. We even to this day, like I get dressed differently. I don't wear jeans or or, or stuff like that, whatever it is. And then you go into the world, they totally don't dress the way the you know, the guys change, whatever it is. You see today that dress and clothing. Um, a guy came into my house the other day. And 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 he's a, he, he's a Jewish boy who I love who I love very much, but he got into the whole gangster stuff and the, the whole rap music and whatever it is. And he came into my house and he's in a a cut pair of jeans where his knees are like 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 half the pants are missing, and like his knees are showing. I'm like, hello, get your wife to sew up your pants. Like, what's going on? If I ever came home like that, my wife would throw me out. Like, whatever it is, it's no it's the look. It's like a whole look. It's a whole. It's, like, it's, a, it's a whole look, and, and, and so when I learned it, like, and, and they didn't change their names, right? So there, there's so many girls that come to talk to me, that are brought to talk to me, 
and I want to get their names so I could get their names and maybe daven for them. And like, so, you know, so like, what's your name? Maggie. Like, like, no, not that name. Like, what's your Hebrew name? And some of them don't even know their Hebrew name. So, so the three things that we didn't change, right, they don't seem to be like very big things, but they are very big things. You see this generation that, that, um, and, 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 and their language. Now, or once he's going to say his own shot. I'm going to say well, shot. I don't know if it's true or not. And maybe, maybe it's, it's brought down. I don't know. So, so, they didn't change their language. They spoke Hebrew. I think it means also the way they spoke. In other words, you can speak English. I don't want to get into trouble by saying this. I'm going to get into trouble. So, I want to say you can speak English like a Jewish person. But you can speak, you can speak English like a Jewish person with, with mannerly, without any curse words, without any slang words. You could say thank you, and you could say please. So maybe when it says in Mitzrayim that they didn't change their language, maybe it also means they didn't change the way they spoke. They didn't say nibble pet. They didn't curse. They weren't fresh. So that's also Jewish language. It's not just English, Yiddish, Hebrew, because cause you could curse in Hebrew. So is that Okay. You go to Israel and a guy's cursing in Hebrew, so he didn't change his language, so he's a tzaddik. He's not a tzaddik, because he did change his language, because even though the word is Hebrew, he's cursing. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's just only how they spoke the language, Hebrew, English, Egyptian, but how they spoke. A Jew gets dressed in a certain way. A Jew speaks in a certain way. And a Jewish name differentiates themselves from, from other people. My name is, it's big trouble for the people who are doing business. My name is Zechariah. And, 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 and people who are not Jewish, they, they don't say, they can't say Ch. So it's Zechariah. Right? They, they, for some reason, it's a very interesting thing, they can't say Ch. can't say Hanukkah, they say Hanukkah. What? Well, I cha- if, you, if you listen to my recording on my phone, it says, hi, you've reached the Chaya Wallerstein. I changed that a long time ago. No, they call me, Zach, and my name now is Zach. I call myself Zach. But, but in, 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 if, I have to, if I have to sign a paper, if I have to sign a paper, I have to sign my English, my English name that my mother gave me. But I ch- we changed that. We, we changed it from... My English name to, Z- to Zachariah, which nobody could say, so we changed it to Zach. Or my friend Z. They just, they, they don't want to say the whole name. It's just like, hi Z. Like, you know, but okay. But anyway, so the, the yeah, it's 100%. My father, Oliver Shalom, my father, Shalom, came from, from Europe with an English name. His name was Lewis. They just gave him that name when he, when he got to Ellis Island. And it bothered him his whole life. And he, I would say about 10 years before he died, he went to court and legally changed his name to Yitzchak. And he had to change his social security, his, his, his passport, his license. And the day that it got changed and he went to court was like he said it was the day he was born. Because your Hebrew name is, is, is Yeshayrish. It's the Yeshayrish of who you are. And you're supposed to even know your pastor. 
Okay, so so that was the idea. The idea is that if I don't look like you, I don't talk like you, and my name is different, I'm not going to assimilate. And um, and it, it it does say that except for one time, even the the girls they, they, they didn't assimilate. There was no relation physical. They served by Dezara, Klal but physical relationships, a Jewish man with a non marrying a non an Egyptian woman, never. Never, and an Egyptian uh, and, and a, uh, a Jewish woman with an Egyptian man once, and that was only because she didn't know that he was. He came in, in the morning. She thought it was her husband, and he had relationship with her. She thought it was her husband, and then they had the child that ended up cursing Hashem. That Moshe Rabbeinu said, "You have to put to death." So that was the only time that it happened. So, so, so they did serve by Zara. But they did not, now, what does that make sense? They said they did not assimilate. They did not assimilate. They didn't intermarry. Um, she was, I'll tell you, it's the end. Moshe Benna didn't know what to do with him. He was Makalo. What was she, anyone know her name? Yes. But what was her real name? Does Rashi say what? Shlomat Basdivri. Shlomat Basdivri. But she did not know. She did not know that um, she did not know that he was an Egyptian. But she talked to men a lot. It was a Ganai that she talked to men a lot. But um, but otherwise there was no intermarriage, zero. So to live that many years without any intermarriage was because they protected themselves with these three things. You have to give your kids a Jewish name. You should go by your Jewish name. I change it on my phone. All my business people call me they're like Zaharia, like Zaharia. Okay. Anyway, um, I heard a very beautiful Dvatera this week. Before that, I want to tell you a story. Someone called me last night. Someone called me last night. He said, Rabbi Wallstein, I have to tell you a story. I listen to what you're sharing. If you want to repeat the story, you could. If you don't, I said, let me know how good the story is. I'll tell you if I'm going to repeat it. So this is a true story that happened. Not last night. He called me last night, but it happened the night before. So this guy went to a wedding um, in Williamsburg or in Borough Park, whatever it was. And he goes to this wedding, and he's sitting at a table. And but Chassidish weddings, so you don't have you don't have um, you don't have a seating place. It's just everyone sits down wherever you want to sit, and they serve the chicken, and you eat your chicken, and and that's it. It's not like table for the chassid, table for the you know. No, they don't have that. Anyway. So this person who calls me, says, I want to I want to tell you a story that you should understand how Hashem runs the world and that a person has to have a murder that whatever they need they're going to get. So I said, what's the story? He says, so they're cleaning off the table and once, what, what they do is they give everyone chicken, kugel, whatever it is, you eat your plate, then they clean up the whole table, they push all the tables to the wall and then you dance and that's it, the party's over. So they, they go ahead and... And this guy's at the table, and a boy walks in, and he's very late. He's very late. So the table's clean. Everyone, only chicken bones. Everyone, everyone ate already, whatever it is. So, but the boy's very hungry. So he sits down. This guy knew the boy. The boy looked at him. He looked at the boy. Whatever. There's no chicken on the table. So the boy goes to the kitchen. He's hungry. He goes to the kitchen. He comes out with a plate of a hot, a hot piece of chicken on a plate. He sits down. He says, are there any forks, knives? They're all dirty. They're all dirty. So he gets up, and this guy's sitting here, so now there's an empty chair with a plate of chicken and kugel. Okay? 
the boy gets up to go find a, a, a fork and a knife. He looks at the tables that are right there. There's no fork and a knife. So he figures he'll go into the kitchen where they're cleaning stuff. He'll get a clean fork and knife. So he goes to the kitchen to clean fork and knife. And a guy walks in who's starving, sees, oh, nobody ate the chicken, an empty seat. Guy sits down at, with this guy's chicken sitting there, right? He's in the kitchen. The guy walks in thinks, Hashem, you're the best. I'm starving and I walked into a hot plate of chicken and there's nobody sitting there. God, you're amazing, right? And he also looks for a knife and a fork. But there's no knife and a fork on the table. But he goes to, that's what happens. Some people look for something, you don't see it. Two tables away, there's a knife and a fork clean. Maybe they weren't clean. He took them anyway. But the story is that they were clean, right? He takes the knife and the fork. He sits down. He starts eating this kid's chicken, not knowing that the kid put the chicken there, thinking, Hashem, Hashem. I walked in, and the whole place, there's not one chicken. And I walked in, and there's an empty seat in the chicken. He's thinking, Hashem, you're amazing. Kid comes walking out of the kitchen. And there's a guy sitting. It's like it's like the three beers, right? There's a guy sitting at the table eating his chicken. And he's thinking, what should I do now? Should I tell him he stole my chicken? But how should the guy know that you got off the chair, whatever it is, right? How, how, how would someone know that? So the boy was a good boy, so he didn't say anything. But he looked at the guy that called me, and he looked at him and he was like, like, how come you didn't want to protect my chicken? Right? So he was said, I'm not getting involved with your chicken. Like, the guy sat down, wasn't supposed to tell him, somebody else's chicken, whatever it was. So, so this guy called me and he says, this boy was hungry and ended up, and he ended up going, he went to the kitchen and he got another piece of chicken. So it's not like he went home starving. He got another piece of chicken, he found a seat somewhere on a different table and he ate it. He says, this, first of all, the chesed of the boy, they didn't say anything to the guy, like, excuse me, didn't you see this piece of chicken? Right? The guy would have said, what do you want? It was an empty seat, you weren't here. I didn't take your chicken from me while you're sitting here. But he, he said, you see how Hashem prepares something for someone that this kid had to come get chicken for himself, but it ended up being for the other person. And both of them ended up, that, that, that even a piece of chicken, that's what he wanted to say. Even on your chicken, there's that this guy walked in and the other guy, if the guy, other guy wouldn't have, wouldn't have looked for chicken or sat at a different table or found the fork and knife where this guy found the fork and knife, which was only two tables away. If he would have seen the two tables away, he would have sat down and ate, the guy would have walked in, he would have had no chicken, no place to sit, nothing. I think that that's, I said to him, I, that is a good story. That is, that is a good story. So you, you, if you're supposed to get something, you're gonna get it. Someone asked me tonight about Shiduchim. Like, how much, how much do you have to do? What do you, and there, how much do you have to do? You have to call every shachin, you have to go on every date. Like, how much, what, what's your Ishtad list? It's a big question everybody asks. What's your Ishtad list? My Rebbe Ragamil told me an answer to this a long time ago. He said, your your bitachon, your emuna, is your established has to be what it always is. In other words, if you go to work, if you're a girl that goes to work, I don't have time to daven. I got to get up early in the morning. I got to stay over time. For me to make money, I have to work really hard. Then for you to get a shidduch, you're gonna have to work very hard. If 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 that's your mindset, you can't you can't run out of shul in the morning. A guy can't run out of shul in the morning. Not even finished out because I gotta go to work because I gotta make money, and then when it comes to Shadukim say, let them call me. Whatever your emuna and your hishtatlis is always, that's what you're gonna need. So if you dive in an extra hour, 
you know the money has doesn't matter how long you work, it's all from Hashem. Everything's from Hashem. My health is from Hashem. I trust Him 100%. Everything that you, everything's from Hashem. Then your shidduch is going to be from Hashem, and it's going to be that easy. But if you don't, if you don't have hishtadlis, whatever your hishtadlis is in everything, that's what your hishtadlis has to be in shidduch. You can't be like, no, for money, I don't trust you. For this, I don't trust you, Hashem. But for this, <laughs> I'm not doing nothing. It doesn't work. Your hishtadlis has to be equal in everything. In health, in money, in, in whatever you do. So if you have a lot of Amuna, you, you're not going to have to work very hard to get it. And if you don't have a lot of Amuna in other places, you can't pick and choose where your Amuna is. Like, I have Amuna in business, and I have Amuna in this, but when it comes to my health, oh, I only have Amuna in my doctor. I only have Amuna in my doctor. Someone said to me, I was talking to a, a big doctor this week, a firm guy, and, and we were talking about homopathic medicine against real medicine. Right? Homopathic. I know a guy who never took an antibiotic in his life, was never sick. He's one of these real, natural people, eats garlic, uh, a lot of other, you know, herbs and vegetables, and, 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 and he's never taken an antibiotic or a Tylenol or a Motrin. I, I, it's like, it's amazing. And has never got strep. How can you not get strep? If kids have strep and the whole world has strep, how can you not get strep? He does natural. I said to this doctor, we pump antibiotics, antibiotics, antibiotics to a point where there are germs today and bacteria today that the antibiotics don't even work. That's how much we pump antibiotics. This guy is eating garlic and other things. Like, what do you think? He's an MD. I said, what, what? You're from guy. You're a doctor. What do you think? He said, listen. I'm a doctor. I learned medicine. This is what I've learned. Your shtadlis is, you have to take medicine. The other guys, the homopathic guys, the chiropractors, homopathic medicine, that's what they learned. He said, the bottom line is, the Gemara says, that just like oil burns, Right? If Hashem wants vinegar to burn, vinegar will burn. So he said, I, ha- I give medicine because that's what I was taught. He gives, he does what he does, the chiropractor does what he does. Doctors don't hold of chiropractors, chiropractors don't hold of doctors. Um, it happens to be very interesting that today doctors and homopathic, are, even doctors, are very into diet. That has, a, that, 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 and, and it brings down the person's what they eat, but that has a lot to do, person's health has a lot to do with what they eat. So even doctors are saying that there are certain diets that can help cure things that medicine cure. But the bottom line is, what he was saying is, is that if you have a muna, again, I'm, I'm not telling anyone you should go homopathic or you should go medicine. And you have to make that decision and get all the information yourself. But he was saying, like, if a person has a muna, that he's going to eat a piece of garlic, and the garlic is going to, he said, garlic is, let's say, vinegar. Vinegar can burn if Hashem wants it to burn. And and, and, and it can work as a Tylenol. If you have a Muna, and, and, and there's a Tfila, there's some people say it's Tfila when they take medicine. I don't remember it by heart, whatever, but there's a Tfila they say when you take medicine. So that a, a person's Muna really has a class of Rufua. We know 
that, that mind over matter. We know that there, there are people who can walk on fire and they don't get burnt. How's that possible physically? If I put my foot on a fire, right? They walk in India, they walk across fire and their feet are fine. And they lay on beds of nails, nails that if you laid on that bed, you'd go right through it and be dead in two seconds. And they lay on the bed and it doesn't affect them. The mind has an amazing clear, but it's not the mind, it's the, it's the emuna. The person has amazing emuna. So, both by the doctor and both by the shiduchim, it depends on your level of emuna. It's very easy to say, have a emuna. When you go through stuff, you, you get a little shaky. It's, so, that's when you have to go inside yourself and you have to find that emuna in a kirsh baruchu. Because Hashem can make vinegar, Hashem can make vinegar burn, Hashem can make garlic or any other herb or cinnamon or anything else cure you. It depends on what level you, one level, on what level a person believes. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit. We're talking about medicine. Let's talk about our two nurses that are in this parsha and a bomb question and the most beautiful tarot. I know I don't think I ever said this. So they came up with a big plan. What's the plan? Melech Mitzrayim told the Miyaldas Erios. What do you call them? What do you call them today? Dulas. Right? What did they call them in those days? Midwives. But today they call them doulas. So that's, that's women who help, instead of going to a doctor, women who help women give birth naturally. Okay? So there were two of them. Kid asked me today, someone asked me today, when I was learning with them, like, you're telling me there were two of them in the home of Triumph? They were giving birth at six kids at a time. There were two nurses? So it seems to be two famous nurses anyway. So these are the two nurses. One's name was Shifra, who was that, everyone? Yochebed. And Shem Hashanish was Pua, who was that? That was Miriam. When the women give birth, we eat them all have Noyim, and then they put the baby on the warming tray, right? It was a stone, a smooth stone. Today, when a baby's born, they put him in a warning, warming tray. They had a, they had a stone, whatever it is. In Benhu, if you see it's a boy, just hold his nose in his mouth. Then meet them, kill him, meet them also. Then Basi v'chayev, the girl let her live. Okay. By Tirana Hamiyalus is alaykim. They want him to be murderers, right? And they feared Hashem. They didn't listen. Like the Chiyanis of Yoladim, they didn't. They let the boys live. So that was a rebellion against the king, against Paro. So the Melch Matrayim called the midwives. I told you to kill them, you let them live. The, the, the Mitzrios, they wait till the, till the midwife comes to help them deliver. They're animals, they're wild. They just give birth. They had a solo, and they didn't, they didn't need no midwife. So by the time we got there, it was too late. And that's it. He doesn't punish them. He doesn't kill them for the rebellion. He doesn't punish them. And Hashem, beautiful shot. I said this a few years ago. So because they saved all the Jewish kids, Hashem did something really good for them. A year of and the nation multiplied. And they became very strong. What Hashem do for them? So now, in the next pasuk, it says, 
when when the the Shifra and Pua, Rechavet and Miriam feared Hashem, Vayaslehem Batim, Hashem rewarded to them and He gave them houses. Now, not houses like you think, but houses. But the Kahuna Belivia Umalchus from Yocheved came Aaron Akohen, so the Kahanim came from Yocheved. Umalchus came from. Miriam. So here's the question. The pasuk before you told me that Hashem did something good for them. So that's what it, that's the pasuk it should have said. Hashem did something good for the for the for the for the miyaldos. He gave them kuhuna and malchus. That's not what you said. You said Hashem did something good for the miyaldos. The nation multiplied, and then you said Hashem made them batim. A beautiful pshat. And the beautiful pshat is, what's the greatest present you could give someone? I, I'm a witness to this. The greatest present you could if you are, if you're, if you're being makar of somebody, and you're successful, they become frum and they get married, and they have children, and they, and, 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 and they keep Shabbos. The greatest reward Hashem can give you is success. So, yeah, that they got kuhuna and that they got malchus. That's not vayitav. That's a reward. What's vayitav? What's toiv? What's good? Toiv? What was good? Vayitav That they were successful. That they kept having children. That the klaishol multiplied. That's what made them happy. That's what's good. When you work, when you're trying to help someone and you're successful, that's what's the good of it. Not, not a reward. Reward is not the good. The good is being successful. So the Torah is telling us, what is the best thing Hashem could have done for the two Miyaldos? That they were successful and Christ was exploding. They also got a reward. That's not success. And anyone who deals in Kirib or anything like that, when you're successful, that's all you want. And every time I get down because Things are not going well, and this kid, I thought I could, we, we, we thought we could help, and, and the high school is not exactly what we want, and this is not exactly what we want, and this is not, Hashem always, you get always this phone call from this girl, random girl, you know, Rabbi Wallerstein, I haven't spoken to you in like seven years, I'm married with three kids, my husband's in Yeshiva, and you're like, why are you calling me? So I never gave you a car so time. Hashem, people who work for Hashem, he, he'll send you that like, don't give up. The best reward for a person is success. So that's the answer here. What did he do good for them? That they saw that the children lived and they multiplied. But this is the devotee for tonight. So here's the question. So they changed their names. They got new names. Egyptian names. Shifra and Pua. It was Miriam and Yechebed. But the Torah tells us, no, they're not, not, not it's not, now you're going to ask me, one second. The whole thing that they got rewarded for was Shloishanuis Shmom. They didn't change their name. And the Torah is now changing their name and giving them an Egyptian name. Is that against everything? You hear the question? Why don't you call them Miriam and Yocheved? That's their names. If the Torah is writing their names, don't write Shifra and Pua. That was Egyptian names. 
even though we call people today Shifra out of this because it's in the Torah. We don't, I never heard anyone called Pua. Popo from Tsiporo, but I never heard Pua. Imagine a girl wants to go out on a date. She says, what's your name? Pua. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work. But anyway, I don't know anyone Pua. If you know someone Pua, let me know because I don't know anyone Pua. So, so the question here is, this is, you know someone Pua? Her name is Pua? Not, not, not Popo. She what? Very nice. Okay. I take it back. Oh, she's Michael And she's married. So some guy like poor. She's what? Great grandchildren. Okay. I guess she's named after poor. I mean, that's where it must be from. Okay. But anyway, so why did they change the names? That's the question. Why did they change the names? Shifra. Shifra. Says Rashi. Why don't you call Yocheved? He had the same question. Zu Yocheved. I'll shame because... She didn't just deliver, you know what a child, I don't know how many of you have ever seen a child born, it's not such a pretty sight. It's full of gook, blood and gook, and they take the baby right away and they wash it and they clean it and they wipe it and they put creams and all kinds of stuff on the baby. When the baby's born, it's just not a pretty sight. Now, you have to understand that Shifra, who is Yochebed, is going from mother to mother to mother to mother to mother to mother. And then she gave, she, she put the baby on the Ovnayim. Hello, next door, next door. Right, they're having six at a time. She said, no, I don't go to the next kid till I wash this kid. I don't go to the next kid until this kid. Now, why, everyone? Why? Anyone have any ideas? Because what is, yes. Why is she cleaning them up like that? To who? Because she's taking the baby, she's taking the baby, and she's now giving it to a woman that just gave birth. She wants to give her a pretty child, a child that's clean. You want to hand her a baby that looks like awful of gook. So Shifra, who is Yochevet, Rashi. Shifra, who is Yochevet, right? So she wasn't called Yochevet, she was called Shifra. Because she said, when I hand this baby to mommy, it's going to look so beautiful. Okay? That's Shifra. That's what Shifra means. That's what Shapir, 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 to make it clean. You're right. Wait, we got, we got a bigger question than this. Okay, that's Shifra. Pua, says Rashi, the Miriam. Al Shem Shapua Umidaberes. She was saying, Pua, 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 Pua. And she was talking. Like a woman who wants to stop a baby from crying. So she made noises with her mouth and she spoke to the baby. So between the two of them, they handed this mother a baby that's not crying and a baby that's beautiful. This was mother, this was mother and daughter. This was your heaven and Miriam. Okay? So that, that's where they got their names from. So we're not going to call her Miriam. Because that's not what the word Miriam means. And we're not going to call it Yocheved. That's not what the word Yocheved means. Now, here's the question. Here's the big question. Much bigger than that. I never gave this year before. This is a brand new year. This you have to repeat Shabbos at the table. Because this is a... This is a okay, new. You're going to get up and say it's Vatayra. 
You're going to say, you're, you're going to say, I have a bomb question. It's very, it's very nice, everyone. Clean the baby, wash the baby, pua, 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 nice little baby, pua, pua, pua. It's very nice. But isn't it much bigger that they saved their lives? They saved their lives. The king said, kill them. They didn't. The, the, the name of Yochevet should have been Chaya. Not, not Shifra. It's very nice. You cleaned her out. But, but what you did here, which is amazing, is you would, you put your life on the line, because Pyro could have killed them for not, for not killing them. You put your life on the line. So you call her Shifra? She washed her up. Chaya! And the terrace is so deep. It's not, it's not the mitzvah. It's not the command. It's how you do it. That's important. In other words, they feared Hashem. So, okay, it's understandable you feared Hashem. The king told you to kill Jewish kids. You're not going to. You're not going to kill Jewish kids. But that's not an extra. It's not an extra. You did what you were supposed to do. But cleaning them up and pouring, that you didn't have to do. Hashem didn't tell you to do that. That's not a mitzvah. That's not a mitzvah. That's extra. What the Torah is telling you here, it's the extra. It's how you do it. It's how you give the tzedakah. You would a smile, you invite the guy into your house for a coffee. It's how you do the mitzvah. That you, that you have to give tzedakah 20% of your, or 10% of your, of your money, you have to give tzedakah. That's a mitzvah. That's not a special name. You have a mitzvah. I'm going to call you chesed. But if you give it in a way that 10%, with love and care and how are you and where you from and do you have a place to stay. That's the beauty. Comes the Torah and sells Shifra and Pua. We're not even calling them by their real Jewish names. We're not even calling them Yocheved and Miriam, who they were, the mother of Moshe Abeno and the sister of Moshe Abeno. We're not even calling them Chaya. We're calling them Egyptians' name because an Egyptian Shifra is someone who shopper, who cleans someone else and Pua is someone who makes noises to make your kid not cry. It's such an unbelievable Zvatayr. It's how you do something. So your mother, your aunt says, can you, can you hold the baby, whatever it is? And you hold the baby. But if you make the baby smile and you, and you take care of the baby, you know, there's, there's, um, it's a little, it's a little sensitive, a little sensitive on the subject. But it's what he says it, um, the Magad of Yushalayim. So he says, he was trying to talk about Banam Atam Hashem, the relationship with Hashem. She said that, that he walked in to a house and there were two, two little kids in two high, two separate high chairs. And he said, what's the difference between us and everyone else? He said, I walked, he walked in and they both weren't eating their food. They both weren't eating their food. So the mother was sitting by, by one of the kids, and she was putting her spoon in applesauce, and she was making like an airplane. Open up, right? And this is how she was feeding him. And the other one, she wasn't playing airplane. She was like, eat or don't eat or whatever it is, and he was spilling it all over whatever it is. And he looked at these two kids, and he said, that's hers, and that's not. And he was right. There was a friend who dropped off her kid by her house, dropped off the kid by the house. He said, you could tell how the mother is feeling the child, which is the child, which is not. Banamatel Hashem is Klai Yisrael. 
which is his and which isn't, is a very big difference. I don't want to say exactly what, but it's very it's a very big difference. You can tell by the way they're by the way they're feeding their kids. So there's there's a, there's a this was the extra, the the, the extra beauty, the lisnimisher sadin, and that, that that's how they got their names. You have three interesting names. You have Shifra Pua and Moshe was an Egyptian name. Kimina Mishisu. That's not that's usually my shir tonight, but I gave it last year, right? That 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 it was so important. What Batya did again, again, what Batya did was extra. The, the 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 boat was way out, and there's no way she could reach it. So what are you putting your hand out for? You're not Gumby. Like what do you think is going to happen, right? And the answer was she went the extra mile. She said, "Listen, I don't know, but there's a kid out there and he's crying. I'm going to put my hand out." And, 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 and her hand, of course, it grew, whatever, whatever happened. And I asked my sister, why don't Hashem just bring a wind and blow the boat to her? You have to have a miracle. It puts a hand out, starts growing. It's like a weird miracle. Like, what, why do you have to do a miracle? Bring a wind, blow the boat. That's normal. Blow the little boat to her at the seashore. Because that doesn't, that, that, that's not extra. That's no extra. So you brought me the thing. I didn't do anything for it. So, we named him the Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu. His name was Tuvia. You know that? You know his name was, he had seven names. But the name that his mother gave him, Yocheved gave him, was Tuvia. But we don't call him by Tuvia. We call him by Moshe. Because your name is your source. You want to know who you are, just look at your name. It tells you everything. Your name is your source. The source of Moshe, the source of the leader of Yisrael, has to be a person who, who, when something looks impossible, he puts his hand out anyway. When everybody gives up on this kid, and everyone says, forget about it, it's not going to happen, he says, I don't care, I'm going to try anyway. Well, we all tried, we all tried already, right, Wallace, we all tried, he's been through 10 yeshivas, and 10 schools, and 10 therapists, and it doesn't work, and nothing works, he's a loser, right? If you're a leader, you have to say, there's no such thing. There's no such thing. I'm going to put my hand out. I'm going to give him time. I'm going to give it a try. Whether I'm going to be able to reach him or not. So that had to be his source. Tuvia is very nice. Kitavu. He was born good. It's not extra. Tonight we're talking about extra. He was born good. He was born lit up. He was born with a bris milah. That's why he was called Tuvia. Kitavu. The Pasuk says, Kitavu. The Pasuk says, Kitavu. So she named him Tuvia. Kitavu is Tuvia. She named him Tuvia. But that, you didn't do anything for that. He was born like that. He was born lit up. He was born with a brismila. You didn't do anything for that. Batya Basparo, she did something. She put her hand out, even when, when it was impossible, when everybody said, what are you doing? The boat's all the way out there. What are you doing? She said, he's crying. I got to put my hand out. I got to try. I got to try to help. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So the Torah tells you, three Jewish names became three Egyptian names. Each one because of Extra. She gave him the name. Baspar gave him the name Moshe. And how many people do you know that are named Moshe? That name Moshe came from Batya Basparo. There, there are a lot of people named Tuvia. But that came, that's that, that was his name. Okay. Moshe grew up, and he went out to his brothers, and he saw their pain. So we see from here that what does it mean to be a Jew? What does it mean to be um, 
What does it mean to be, what's it called? A, a brother is when you see someone else's pain. Now it's interesting, in Pasuk Yud, Perik Beis, it says, He grew up, he became big, they brought him to Paro. So what, what happened was like this. When Moshe, when, when, when Moshe was born, when, when he was put into the, into the, into the Nile, so Basparo took him out. She tried to nurse him. He wouldn't nurse. She gave him to her, her wet maids to nurse him. They couldn't nurse him either. One drop of milk, one drop of milk, he was nursed, which wasn't kosher, was from a non-Jewish person. And it says that's why Hashem had to put coals in his mouth. It actually burnt the spot that the milk fell on his on his tongue had to be burnt out because he had to he had to say the the tire, he had to say the 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 the, the other eight of the service of Debro, so it had to be his mouth had to be kosher, and that's why the whole thing happened with the coal. So it said yelled, so now he, he, he stopped nursing. So now they brought him back to Basparo. Basparo said, Listen, I can't nurse him, we can't feed him, so go to go to the, let the Jews nurse you, which was actually his mother. And and, and Miriam came up with this whole idea. And now, bring him back. So in Pesach Yud, it says, right? So he stopped, he stopped nursing. And then, here, the next Pesach, it says, you said that already. You said that, you said that the Pesach before. So what's, what's the difference between the two? So, Rashi says, Harishan Lakaima. One is talking about his age. He, he's not nursing anymore. Now he became the prince of Egypt. But I heard a very beautiful child. How did Moshe become great, big at this point? Because he went out to his brothers to see their pain. What's the godless of a person? What's the greatness of a person? When you look, when you care about another Jew, when you care about another person. So that was the second Vayidal. Okay, alright. Now, he comes to the snap. And we'll end with this. He comes to the snap. Actually, we're not going to end with this. We're going to end with the last passage of this passion. Let's see where it is. Hashem introduces himself. Okay. He saw there was no person. He killed, he killed the Mitzri. They told on him. And he ran away. Okay? And he was a royal sign. And he came to the Haral Kim in Chareva. appeared to him. Right? He saw that the, that this bush was burning. It says this bush was burning for a very long time. And he saw it, but it was burning, but it wasn't burning. The leaves were green. They didn't burn up. There's a very Kabbalistic meaning here. So Moshe Rabbeinu turned, saw, and he said, Why isn't the snare burning? So the lesson of the snare, everybody, is that fi- the fire here was a spiritual fire. That's why it, didn't, it wasn't burning. The fire was Torah and mitzvahs. The snare was physical. Was a physical bush. What Hashem was teaching Moshe is, if you think being a Jew and keeping the Torah and keeping the mitzvahs is going to take away anything from your strength, your money, 
your position in the world, whatever it is, you should know that the fire of Torah doesn't burn the physical world. This was the lesson that Moshe Rabbeinu had to learn. The fire that you see, right? Hashem Hashem saw that he was that Moshe was like, "What's going on over here?" Right? And he said, "Don't don't come too close. Take your shoes off." And he, and he introduced himself, and he said, "The fire of Torah, the fire of being a Jew. A lot of people feel if I'm a religious Jew and I, and I keep Shabbos and I keep kosher and I keep this and schools cost so much and yantiv cost so much." And everything costs so much, and, and tuition costs so much, and, and for some, Baruch Hashem, and as well, for sure, I don't know where their money comes from, right? But you can't get from B'nai Barak to Yushalay, and the traffic is crazy. Do you know what, you know what a gallon of gas costs in Eretz Yisrael? If that would cost us in America, we would have riots. Eight dollars a gallon. We pay three. And, Cars in Eretz Yisrael, $80,000. We pay 15, 20, 30. And you can't move! Traffic everywhere. Where do they get the money from? Where does the money come from? Gas and cars? And I don't know if you've ever been in Gula Erev Shabbos, Kinnainahara. Bakeries and, and, and Garinim and and falafel stores, and everyone has, I mean, there's a lot, I'm not going to tell you, there's a lot of poor people in Eretz Yisrael, there's a, there's, there's, but the Misa, Yisrael has what to eat. We, we have to help, the, Hashem gives the rich people to help the poor people, but what Hashem was saying is like, my Torah and mitzvahs will never burn the bush. The bush is not going to be uchal. That's what he, that's what he wanted to do. You're not going to lose money because you davened an extra 20 minutes, or you went to a shift for an hour, and like, oh, I, 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 came, I came an hour later to work. No, the Torah and, and, and mitzvahs will never take away. Just the opposite. Whatever you spend on Shabbos, Hashem says, promises us that He'll definitely take, take, take care of us and pay us back. Now, the last thing I want to say is like this. It's really part of another share, but we don't, we don't have time. Um, it's like this. If you know the whole story of Moshe Rabbeinu, he doesn't want to go to Mitzrayim. He fights with Hashem the whole time. From the beginning when Hashem says, go down to Mitzrayim. I see the pain. Go down. First argument. I'm not going to say low self-esteem, but what does that mean? Who am I? Because he was a big honor. Ki paro. You want me to go to Paro? I, I should take the Christ out of Mitzrayim? But yeah, my Hashem said, don't worry. Have a Muna. I'll be with you. I'll give you, I'll give you Simonim that you have nothing to worry about. Gather the Christ, gather them. They're going to listen to you. What does he say? Again, Vayan Moshe, Perik Dalit, again, Now he's not talking about the Mitzvah, he's talking about the Jews. They're not going to listen to me, they're not going to believe me. And they're not going to listen to what I have to say. Now I, I'm, I'm building up to something. So his second thing is that, first he says, who am I? Who am I? Take out Klai Yisrael. Who's going to, who's going to, Mitzvah, are not going to listen to me. Then he's coming back and saying, 
And if they want to, even if they listen to me, Christ wants to listen to me. Hey, lay on me to leave. Why? They're going to say I'm a liar. Most people don't know this. Moshe Beno said to Hashem, Christ was going to say I'm a liar, that, that I'm a false prophet, and God never appeared to me. So Hashem said, what are you talking about? Okay. So Hashem gives him a whole speech. You're a stick, you're in my hand, the power of the hand, the power of the stick is the power of the hand. We've gone through this before. What does Moshe Rabbeinu say back? What does Moshe Rabbeinu say back? That's the third time. First he said, who am I? Second he said, they're going to say I'm a liar. Third time he says, even if even if Klai Yisrael doesn't think I'm lying, I can't talk. I stutter, I lisp. But you know, they're not going to listen to me. Okay? Hashem says, enough discussion. Sometimes as a Rebbe, you got to do this. The kid's very, has low self-esteem, doesn't want to do it. And you just have to push your kid into the water. They don't want to go swimming. You got to, the kid's screaming. You put him in the water. You got to put him in the water. You got to put him on the bicycle. That's the only way they're going to ride. So finally Hashem says, go, leich. Still, he says, and he got punished for this, I believe, be adoni, please Hashem, shlach no, biatishlach. After the whole speech, he says, Rashi says, after the whole speech, he says, Hashem, I'm not going. Send Aaron. And Hashem gets angry at Moshe. And he says, You're telling me, you're giving me advice, Hashem said to Moshe, that I should send Aaron because he's a better speaker? You think I don't know that he's a better speaker? He's coming out to speak to you? No! You are the one that has to go. So everyone in this room knows at this point, Moshe Rabbeinu does not want to do this. They're not going to believe me. They're going to call me a liar. I lisp. I can't talk. You got a much better man here. You got Aaron. He's got all his reasons lined up. Okay? But he goes. Because he's in Evan Hashem. He's a good guy with Moshe Rabbeinu. He's Moshe Rabbeinu. So with all this, Hashem, you want me to go? I'm going to go. So he goes. And listen to what happens. He comes to Paro. And he tells Paro... God, the God of Israel, said, Send out my nation. Well, who is this guy? What are you talking about? Paro makes total chaisik of him. Total chaisik of him. I don't know this God. I'm not listening to you. Goodbye. I'm not sending them out. Okay? So Moshe says, What are you talking about? I'm okay, Ibrahim. The God of the Jews told me that I should take, we should go out for three days, we should, okay. What does, what does, um, Paro do? That day that Moshe came to save Christ's role, and he says, from now on, we used to supply them with the, the stuff to make the bricks. No more supply. Let them go get their own stuff. So now the work on Christ's role is triple before Moshe showed up. So Moshe Rabbeinu told Hashem, they're not going to believe me, they're going to call me a liar. So you think, if he's coming now to say, let's go into Moshe Rabbeinu's head, right? I'm the man. Hashem said, he's behind me. 
I'm, 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 I'm a stick in Hashem's hand. I'm going to go there. I'm going to say Kleisrael. And Paro's going to, gonna, Hashem's going to explode his brain and kill the Mitrim. And, and wow, it's going to be amazing. And he comes to Paro. And Paro says, who are you? What are you? Who's God? I never heard of anybody. You're a bunch of lazy, near from him, near from him. You're just a bunch of lazy guys. You're trying to get your friend, fellow Jews out of some work. You know what? I am going to make it much worse. Now, if you're the Shlich, you might, like, I, they were much better off before Wallstein showed up. Before Moshe Rabbeinu showed up. Before I came to class, they were doing really well. You know, like, this is not good that I took over. So Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't understand what's going on here. Not only that, Klai Yisrael don't like him at all. And they come to him, and they say, by Yifku as Moshe as Aaron, they attack Moshe and Aaron when they come out of Paro and they curse him. You have to go into, into Moshe Rabbeinu's mind over here. He didn't want to do this. I told you I don't want to do this. And now you're making it worse. You're making me look so bad. But Yom Aleyhem, so the Jews say to Moshe Rabbeinu, now that we have to work triple, Yera Hashem Aleichem Yishma Shevatim God should punish you. He should judge you that you made us even weaker. Now they hate us. At least we had a relationship with them till now. Now we don't have a relationship with them. They're just making it worse for us. So the Jews now are, are attacking Moshe and Aaron. So Moshe Rabbeinu who got punished for this. But Yosha Moshe Hashem, Moshe said to Akash Baruch Hashem, why did you make it worse? What are you making a fool out of me for? You sent me to do miracles. You did the signs of the stick turning to the snake and my hand turning to leprosy and water turning to blood. You're like, we're going to go in there and we're going to wipe them out and we're going to do miracles. Not only you didn't do miracles, you made it worse. Not only that, they're what they didn't like me in the first place because I was the prince of Egypt. They didn't like him. I was the prince of Egypt. Now that I'm coming down to save them, and I didn't want to go. It's not like I wanted to go, like I'm going to be the big man. I said, no. And you made me come down here. Why did you do this? Lama Horesa. Lama Zela Shalach Tani. Why did you send me? And since I came to Paro to talk with your name, in your name, I came in your name, Hashem, you promised me, you made it worse. And not only that, why did I come to Mitzrayim, Hashem? What did you say you were going to do? You said you're going to save the Jews. He was having this... You didn't, you didn't even save them. You know what? If I had to be embarrassed and yelled at by the Jews, embarrassed by Paro, but you saved the Jews, he was a leader. Good. I got embarrassed. I got yelled at. I got cursed. And you didn't even save them. What would you do? This is a mini chumash, not Wallerstein. A mini chumash. Hashem taught Moshe Rabbeinu a very important lesson. Don't judge me by the moment we're in right now. I know it looks bad. The guy came out of the. The guy came to the table. The chicken was there. If I want the chicken to be there, the chicken will be there. If I want the geula to be now, you'd be out of a triumph right now. But Yehima Hashem al Moshe, Ata now Tiras as Echol Paro. Yes, this had to all happen, but now you're going to see what I do to Paro. Ki biyachazogi shalchi biyachazogi gorishim outside, and when you turn the page, comes 
seven makas, ve'era, they get seven makas, bo, they get three more makas, b'shalach, they all drown in the yamsuf. So sometimes, girls, you do what's right, and you do what Hashem wants you to do, and you're like, it's supposed to turn out great, and everything's turning out much worse than I thought. And Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, what did you do to me? And you didn't even save me. I did everything, you didn't even save me. Of course, Rokhu says, that's one moment, but you don't have the whole picture. So you have to wait until we turn the page. We turn the page, comes Va'era. This looked terrible. That, that, it's my much half the, half the parasha looks terrible. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. They're not going to believe in it. I don't want to go. Don't send me there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be there. I, want, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. I don't want to go there. And then you go, and it doesn't work out. You go for, for Hashem, I'm going. And it doesn't work out. Don't panic. Don't run away from Hashem. He's got a plan. There's a plan. And that's what he answered him. He said, you're right. Till this point, you didn't see anything. You didn't see nothing. It looks like we lost. You came to Paro. Paro said, no. Paro said, not only that, I'm going to make you work hard. It looks like I sent you on a mission, impossible, and you failed. But that's not a moment in Hashem. So he was telling Moshe Abenu, now, the last passage of the parasha, now I'm going to make the move. I didn't make it till now. So your expectations of when Hashem is going to do something for you, a shidduch, a panasa, a refua, a yeshua, your expectations weren't met. It doesn't mean it ain't going to happen. So the last pasuk was, Hashem was like, no, until now, you're right. You looked silly. They hate you. They got harder work to do. 100%. That's all part of my plan. Now he's going to get makas. Now he's going to get seven makas. And then he's going to get three makas. And then, Bishalach, I'm going to wipe him out. And then, you're going to take all these Jews that are cursing you and screaming at you and that don't even want to know you, and you're going to give them a service divorce. Pasha's Yisroi. And then comes Truma Tetzaveh, we're going to build a Mishkan, we're all going to be together, Hashem, Klai Yisrael, the Kahanim, and everybody else. But you got to turn the page. And Hashem turns the page, not you. And it's everything in its time. So don't panic when people are not listening to you, like Paro. And don't panic when you're doing the right thing and life gets much harder. Don't ask Lama Haresh Salam Hazah. And the truth is, very beautiful Pshara Moshe he, he didn't say, after all this, what I just told you, he didn't say, listen carefully, we'll end with this thought. He, did, he didn't talk about himself. He didn't say, Hashem, you made me into a fool. Look what you did to me. He said two things. He only cared about Klai Yisrael. He was Malish, the best leader in the world. He said, Why did you make it worse for them? And you didn't save them. Them. He didn't say, I told you I didn't want to come here. Look what you did. I told you I didn't want to be here. He didn't talk about himself at all. He said two things. He said, forget about me, Hashem. Made a fool out of me. Got in front of power, all this stuff. The Jews hate me. It's not about me. But, but and that's why Hashem loved him. But the Jews are suffering. My brothers are suffering. But, but it got worse for my brothers. Forget about me, Hashem, but it got worse for my brothers. And at the end of the day, okay, it got worse, but then they get saved, but they didn't, you didn't save them. So even 
after he felt that he was wrong. Not that he was wrong. He felt that Klai's was wrong. His whole title to Hashem was, why did you make it worse for them? He just got ripped in front of everybody. Instead of saying, like, why did you do this to me? If you weren't going to save them anyway, he said, like, there's two things you did here, Hashem. You made it worse for the Jews, and you didn't save the Jews. That was Moshe Rabbeinu. That was the, He worked for the Jewish nation. So even though he was embarrassed terribly and hated, he didn't care about that. Just take care of my brothers. Just take care of them. Baruch said, I'll take care of them. When you all be zaycheh, to see the page turn. for Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.